This is a message by Pastor Mark Fox at Antioch Community Church in Elon, North Carolina. For more information about the church, go to antiochchurchnc.org. Antioch, you know the saying is, a high tide rises all boats, and a full church pushes people to the front who don't normally... Jason, I'm not used to this, brother. I'm not sure you can sit that close, Jason Ferrara. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Welcome this morning. So, last week we continued our discussion of five things. We are Ford Antioch, five distinctives, things that have shaped us as followers. We're in between, for you who are visiting, we're in between the book of Genesis. We finished after a year and a half, and we're getting started with 1 Peter next Sunday. So, we'll work through 1 Peter for about... 18 weeks. But today, I want to finish this series on five things that we think are important about Antioch. Just a reminder for those who are members and maybe uh, information for those who are visiting and looking for a church home. We've talked about biblical worship, expository preaching, a commitment to missions, and a plurality of elders. And today we'll finish with gospel community. But let me turn to John chapter 13. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me. John chapter 13. And this is just one of the texts we'll talk about today, but it's an important one. So we'll go ahead and read John 13, verses 31 through 35. I won't ask you to stand again. You're all looking very comfortable. So we will just pick up with John 13, 31 through 35. When he, that's Judas Iscariot, when he had gone out, Jesus said, Now, now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while while I am with you, you will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I'm going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So, What we're talking about today is gospel culture. This message is going to be brief, just as our worship was a little briefer today, so we have time to hear from uh, the Kentucky team later in the service, either before or after the baptism. Uh, We'll see, depending on the weather. Um, Francis Schaeffer, you may know that name. Years ago, he was a a Christian theologian that many followed, and his books were were well-read around the world. He started Labrie Fellowship in Switzerland. He was in a conference in 1974, and he was speaking on the topic of form and freedom in the church. And he said there are four basic essentials for a church to be healthy, and they underscore what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. And I just found this this week, and I thought, well, I'm going to share it from Francis Schaeffer. He said, first of all, we have to have sound doctrine. He said, Christianity is a specific body of truth, and on the central issues, there must be no compromise. One of the things we talk about here is, in essentials, unity. We are unified on the essentials of the Christian faith, right? And then he went on to say, those truths are not just to be believed, but to be obeyed, to be practiced. He said, do you think for a moment we will have credibility as a church if we say we believe the truth and yet do not practice the truth? In religious matters, and everybody said, no, we won't. The second essential he he called careful contextualization. That's a big word 
that really means we need to think as a church and as people like missionaries, right? We have to contextualize the truth of Scripture to the people with whom we are dealing. He said, if Christianity is truth, as the Bible claims, it must touch every aspect of life. Christianity demands that we have enough compassion to learn the questions of our generations. And the questions of this generation are different from the questions of us older people generation growing up, right? Questions are different. That's one of the reasons why we went through the book last spring on Sunday morning from 845 to 945 before this service started. We went through a book called 10 Questions Every Teen Should Ask and Answer About Christianity by Rebecca McLaughlin. And it was a wonderful study in these kinds of things. What does Christianity mean to these questions that people are asking today uh, in the world and even in the church? The third essential Schaefer mentioned for a healthy, healthy church is true spirituality. He said the end of the matter is to be in relationship to God, right? He said it's one thing to know and believe the right things about God, but our hearts need to be gripped by the power of the gospel, and as we grow in our love for God and our humility towards one another. That's something that we talk about in Antioch a lot, and I mention in sermons a lot, and others mention in sermons, that we want to be people who truly love God, and there's nothing more important in our lives than God, because anything that's more important than God in our, part, our lives is what? It's an idol. An idol is anything that we're willing to sin to get. Or we're willing to sin to keep from losing. So we don't want anything in place of God. True spirituality means we are developing a relationship with Him that is growing day by day, week by week, month by month, and year by year. The fourth essential, and this is the one we're really going to look at today, Schaefer called relational beauty. He said, lovelessness destroys orthodoxy. If we do not show beauty in the way we treat each other, then in the eyes of the world, in the eyes of our own children, we're destroying the truth we proclaim. So Schaefer went on in that talk to summarize these four pillars, if you will, of the church into two orthodoxies, okay? Orthodoxy is just something we believe. He said there's an orthodoxy of doctrine and there's an orthodoxy of community. And we long for those two balances, those two to be in balance as followers of Jesus. I think when we become born again, I think Jesus puts in our hearts to look for that balance in a community of believers where we can feel like, yeah, this is it. This is where I belong. You know, one of the things I hear over and over from Christians who are in the church search mode, that's a, that's a terrible place to be sometimes, isn't it? It's a hard place to be. Either they've left Antioch and they've gone to another community or maybe they're looking for another church because they're fed up with Antioch or they are here at Antioch and they say, yeah, man, we've been trying these churches and I've heard this so many times that they say, why can't we find a church that has both sound biblical doctrine and strong fellowship, right? Where is that solid, you know, Bible-embracing church that's also warm and welcoming to everyone who comes through the door, a church that is intentional about helping people find their place and build solid relationships with the family of faith in that community. What I hear most of the time is that people, uh, if they find a church that holds firm to the trustworthy word as taught, as Paul said in, in Titus 1, he said, the people there are cold as fish. 
Instead of receiving a warm welcome, an invitation into fellowship when they walk in, visitors often sit alone and try to enter into corporate worship with people who don't even acknowledge their existence. The flip side is that they found a church. Oh, we found this church. Well, you talk about fellowship, man. They're all about it, and they love people, and they embrace you, and they love you and just suck you in. But, man, the stuff they believe there is way off base. It's not solid biblical doctrine. Why can't we have both? (laughs) Right? Sound doctrine, healthy community. And I think everyone in here who's been around the Word, in the Word for more than a few months, knows that we not only can we have that, but we must have that. The, The truth of Scripture demands that we have that. Jesus was, as John said in his prologue, full of grace and truth. If that's true of Jesus... This is John 1.14 for, te- for your notes. If that's true of Jesus, then how much is it to be true of us? Who, if it's true of the, the, the person of Christ, isn't it true of the body of Christ? Right? Everybody nod if you believe that. So if that's true, right, then it must be true of us. We've got to have truth, but not just truth. We have to have grace, but not just grace. Grace and truth walking together side by side with Jesus who embodies that. You really have neither unless you have both, right? You can work that out in your mind later, figure that one out. You don't have grace and truth unless you have grace and truth. (laughs) Just grace and without truth, not going to fly. It's not going to work. Truth without grace, not going to last. I would suggest that the church filled with those frozen chosen, no matter how much they pride themselves on how much they love word, the word and no doctrine, if there's no reputation among outsiders and it's even among the people in the pews, then, then they've missed the mark, right? The reason we come together is to worship God, but also to love one Another. Jesus said it plainly in the upper room. I just read that passage to you. He looked the 11 men in the eye. Judas Iscariot, Phil the devil, had left him to go make his plans. And he looked those 11 men in the eye and basically said, Love one another as I have loved you. If you were listening and looking at that text a while ago, you saw that Jesus said it three times. He repeats the same thing three times. Because he wanted them to get it, and he wants us to get it. He said, love one another. In fact, he said, this is how people will know you're my disciples. Not how many verses you can quote. I'm not against quoting verses. We need to know the word. Not how much money you give to the church. I'm not against that. We need to give so that the church can reach the the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. He said, no, this is how they'll know that you love one another. As I have loved, see, there's that truth part. As I have loved you. (laughs) That means being honest with one another. It means walking in the light about places where we're hurting, how we're struggling, how we might be questioning our faith, how we might be failing in our relationship with Christ or our spouse or our children or anyone else. Grace and truth come together so we can walk in the light with one another and proclaim that Jesus Christ is good. Ray Orland said, A Bible-preaching church where no one can risk honesty is in danger of heresy. Now look, I said all that to say this. I believe with every fiber of who I am that 
This is a gospel community in Antioch. Are we perfect? No, not perfect at all. But we have grown in that as we've grown in our love for God, in our love for one another, in our embrace of his word. There's a gospel culture that has matured here as we have matured in Christ. Many of you have been here more than 10 years, many more than 20 years, a few of us more than 30 years. But as we have matured in Christ, so has that gospel community. And I honestly think that's one of the most attractive things about Antioch. I really believe that. It often makes people want to stay after they've visited a few times and just tasted that things are good here. and They've tasted of that. Look, if you're here for the first time today and you intend on, on finding a new church, then you're not going to taste that just in one two-hour service, hour-and-a-half service. You've got to come back and you've got to get involved in the life of the church and taste and see that the Lord is good. You know what it also does? It sometimes makes people want to come back after they've been gone for a few years, Right? Because they knew, it's like the prodigal, why did the prodigal son, and not that people who leave are prodigal, please don't misunderstand me, but why did the prodigal son come back to the father? Because he knew he would be loved there. He knew the father would love him and receive him and welcome him. And again, I think that's one of the best things about what's going on here. There's a sweetness of love that we have for the Lord, his word, and for each other. The elders listened recently to a podcast episode by Ray Ortland and Sam Alberry. You may have heard those names. They are two men who serve on staff. I believe they're on staff, but they serve the church uh, called Emmanuel Church in Nashville. The podcast is called, You're Not Crazy, Gospel Sanity for Young Pastors. But they said I could listen to it too. So the, the theme of this podcast, as expressed by Sam Alberry, underscores what we've been talking about this morning and really for the last several weeks. He said this, there should not be a disconnect between the grace of Jesus as we receive it in the gospel and church life. Would you agree? Right? So we're about, and let's continue to be about, building our church life and our church culture around the grace of God that he has shown us in the person of Jesus Christ. Church should be something we look forward to on Sunday. We can't wait to get there. Not something that we feel like, oh, man, I got to go. It's my duty to go. You know, or we dread it. Alberry compares church, I like this, to Rivendell. If you know about Lord of the Rings, he compares church to Rivendell, right? You've been out in the world this week. And he says, he said, we've just been stabbed on Weathertop. And we find ourselves in Rivendell where we can find space and healing and help and care. That's the church. It's really the only place in the universe where you can find that. Outside of heaven, we're going there. But right now, the closest thing we have to heaven in, on the earth is church. It's not the bar. It's not the ball game. It's not the concert. It's not the television or the book. Those things can be temporary solace, but only in the church with people who know Jesus and love Jesus and love you can you find space and healing and help and care. I like that. I like that. Sometimes people feel like they can't come to church if they've messed up or they failed in their faith in some way. They can't come in, they think, looking like they don't have it all together. (laughs) I can see Jeremy smiling. What's wrong with that thinking? 
How many people have it all together? Please raise your hand if you have it all together. None of us. We all failed this week, didn't we? We all failed. We all fell. We all sin is, is present among us. We're not slaves to it anymore. We're slaves to Christ, and we've been given the power to overcome sin, but we still sin because we're in this flesh. We're in this body. So the, the very place we need to be is the place we run from when we feel like we don't measure up. Let me say to all of you who have been there, done that, and maybe will be there and do that again, you do measure up if you're in Christ because His imputed righteousness is what God sees when He looks at you. Not your failure, messes, your sins, your stumbles. Come to Him. The glory of God, I believe, is seen when you come in. You stumble in one way or another. And Jesus is, is opening His arms wide, and we are as well. What does the Bible say about the gospel culture we see developing in Antioch? Look at Romans 15, 5 through 7. I'll show it to you on the screen. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And here's the therefore. Because of that, therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. That's the key verse for gospel community. Hey, saints, welcome others as Christ has welcomed you. Let me unpack that for a second. The glory of God can be seen when we welcome one another as Christ welcomed us. That doesn't mean play well together. It doesn't mean, hey, be nice. The question is, what has Christ done for us? He has welcomed us into his life. He's not just canceled our debt with his blood, which is wonderful beyond imagination. But imagine if Jesus said, all right, I died for you. You're forgiven. Now sit over there and, and be quiet and behave yourself and don't talk to me. Did Jesus do that? Of course not. He, he, he cleansed us and then he welcomed us as friends. We who were enemies became friends of Christ and he welcomed us with open arms. In the same way, we're called to welcome one another. Now, look, it doesn't mean that you will have the same depth of friendship with every single person in this room that you have with some. Let's be honest. Some of, some of us are more difficult to get close to than others, and I apologize for that. But you will have close friendships if you seek them out and intentionally put yourself in the way of developing those. I love the story Ray Orland heard from his father. Ray Sr., about Bill Bright. You remember Bill Bright? He founded Campus Crusade for Christ many, many years ago. Now it's called Crew. But Bill Bright said years ago, he told Ray Orland, years ago he learned not just to live by faith, but to love by faith. Think about that. He said, if I walk into a room, and we've all been here, you walk into a room and you see a person across the room that has been difficult for you, <laughs> right? Someone has been a little bit porcupine-ish for you. He said, if I see that person, he said, and my relationship was not a very good one, he said, I'll say a quick prayer to love him or her by faith, and then I make a beeline toward him and look him in the eye. He said, and he believed that as he made his way toward that person, the Holy Spirit, the Lord would give him what he needed for that love to be real. I like that. Don't avoid them. Don't turn and walk the other way. 
walk towards them and ask God to give you the love, the welcome of Christ for that brother, that sister, in the same way that you've been welcomed by Christ. That's loving by faith. I'll close with this. Two more things. Ray also said that his dad said there are two ways to walk into a room. And I found there's a quote by this. There are two types of people. Those who come into a room and say, well, here I am. <laughs> you know, I finally made it. Y'all can all stop the party and look at me, right? I'm here now. And so that's what it's all about. And others who walk in and say, ah, there you are. I, I want to I talk to you. I want to get to know you. I want to I find out more about you. I'm, I'm interested in you. The other one is, hey, are you guys interested in me? Because I'm hoping so. That's, I, you know, I want to be the life of the party. He said, that's another way of saying, we welcome others. There you are as Christ welcomed us. He, he did not wait for us to take the initiative. He, Christ didn't wait for us to come to him. We couldn't. We were dead in our trespasses and sin. Dead people can't come to Christ. He came to us, and he spoke life into us. And so we welcome others. We make the first move. And I know, look, some of you are thinking, no, there's a third way. Yeah, there's a third way. Yep, I just pretend I'm not here. That's what I'm doing. And I'm somewhere, but not here. Look, saints, if, if we're called to welcome others as Christ welcomed us, then we can receive grace from God and strength from God and power from God to overcome our fear of social interaction. Everybody said... All the introverts said, we can receive grace to overcome that fear of being seen and being known. One final passage, then we're done. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. I don't know if I put that on the screen or not. Yep, there it is. This is such a good verse. This is 30 years after Pentecost and people are already starting to neglect church. Can you imagine? No, 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 you can, can imagine that. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. We come together to consider how to stir up one another. So let's not neglect to meet together. And notice here, and this is from the podcast, this is not mine, the opposite of not meeting together is not meet together. The opposite is encourage one another. Not just come and, and fill a spot on a pew and meet together, but the opposite of not showing up is to show up to encourage one another, to stir one another up to love and good works, and all the more as we see the day approaching. That's gospel community. We love because he first loved us. So we're going to have a shorter meet and greet time, right? We're talking five minutes. And then the, uh, Micah or Scott's going to come up and lead the rest of the service. But we will try to be outside by 1120 to avoid the lightning bolts. How many are good about avoiding lightning bolts? Our, our beloved deacon, Dick Orchid, risked his life yesterday to fill up that tub. <laughs> In the middle of a lightning storm, he's out there filling it up. Everybody say, I love Dick Orchid. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you even more than we love Dick. We're thankful for him. We're thankful for you, Father. We love you, and we want to welcome one another as Christ has welcomed us. So continue to make us a welcoming community for the glory of God and for the sake of the gospel. And all of God's people said, amen. Let's greet one another in the Lord.
Thank you for listening to this message. Antioch meets every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. at 1600 Powerline Road in Elon, North Carolina. For more information about Mark and the books he's written, go to jmarkfox.com.